Welcome to House of David Ministries. I'm Pastor Eric Michael Teitelman. Join me as we learn about the rich heritage of our Christian faith. In each episode, we explore a unique topic that will deepen your knowledge of Christ and who we are as His people. In this episode, we will learn about the time of restoration of all things that will come at the end of the age. In Acts chapter 3, we read, Repent, therefore, and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out, so that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord, and that he may send Jesus Christ, who was preached to you before, whom heaven must receive until the times of restoration of all things, which God has spoken by the mouth of all his holy prophets since the world began. There is much for us to understand from these three verses. And we're going to focus on the last part where it reads, until the times of restoration of all things. The word restoration means the act or the process of returning something to its original condition. In widely accepted eschatology, the church is mostly convinced that God's restorative plans for the world will not occur until Christ returns. And yet this scripture tells us that heaven must receive Christ until the plurality of times of restoration of all things. So we must conclude that the restoration of the church and to some degree the restoration of Israel will happen before the return of Christ. So I believe there is a dispensation of the fullness of times in which all things will be gathered together in Christ. However, times of restoration must take place first as we read in Daniel chapter 9. It says, Know therefore and understand that from the going forth of the command to restore and build Jerusalem until Messiah the Prince, there shall be seven weeks and sixty-two weeks. The street shall be built again and the wall even in troublesome times. This leaves us with two outstanding questions. When will the church and Israel see these times of restoration? And what are we being restored to? Before we answer these questions, let me provide a theological framework. We need to understand that these times of restoration are predestined, meaning they will happen in God's timing, which are kairos moments, and they will happen regardless of human intervention. In other words, these things will occur within our created earthly timeline according to God's purpose time, when he fulfills all things per the counsel of his will and not ours. There are many great examples throughout biblical history of God's preeminence, meaning times when God revealed himself within our natural universe. The most remarkable, of course, were the Immaculate Conception, the Crucifixion, and the Resurrection of Christ. And I believe we can expect that Christ's return will be even more spectacular according to the Lord's predestined prophetic events conceivably unfolding before our eyes. These events directly correlate to God's times of restoration spoken to all his holy prophets, in which we have just read about from the book of Acts. So in summary, these times are already written for us so that we might receive them as a sign of Christ's imminent return. We read in Isaiah chapter 8, Here I am and the children whom the Lord has given me. We are for signs and wonders in Israel from the Lord of hosts who dwells in Mount Zion. This verse in Isaiah is a clear reference to Christ. 
but it is also a reference to the children of God, which is the church. We are a remnant whom the Lord has called out of every tongue and tribe, people and nation, to be a witness of Christ through signs and wonders in every nation, and especially the nation of Israel. The Apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, Jews request a sign. And this is one of the primary reasons why Paul was so passionate to communicate God's desire for the Gentiles to provoke Israel to jealousy. Yeshua said these things to his disciples in John chapter 14. The works, meaning the signs that I do, meaning we will do also, and greater works than these we will do. And what specifically are these works? We are told in Matthew chapter 11, the blind see and the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed and the deaf hear, the dead are raised up and the poor have the gospel preached to them. So I'm not talking about gold dust or feathers falling from the sky, although I admit that would be pretty amazing to see. Yeshua was simply talking about the conviction of sin by the power of the Holy Spirit in preaching the gospel unto the salvation of Israel. As it says in Matthew chapter 11, the poor shall have the gospel preached to them. In 1 Corinthians chapter 14, it says, Therefore tongues, meaning languages, are for a sign, not to those who believe, but to unbelievers. I'm also speaking about other signs and wonders, including miraculous healings, deliverances, and raisings from the dead. And all these so that we might demonstrate and share the love of God to those who are called to become the Lord's inheritance. As we read in Jeremiah chapter 10, the portion of Jacob is not like them, for he is the maker of all things, and Israel is the tribe of his inheritance. So we should now understand that the times of restoration first and foremost pertain to the nation of Israel. So it's no wonder that Yeshua said in Matthew 24, learn this parable from the fig tree. When its branch has already become tender and put forth leaves, you know that summer is near. Now, it's true that Yeshua also spoke of the many trees, but he specifically emphasized the fig tree, which is the biblical symbol for the nation of Israel. So we should also understand that the restoration of Israel is directly linked to the church. These are our predestined good works that will not only provoke Israel to jealousy, but will ultimately lead to their salvation and times of restoration. So it is the Gentiles who are called to participate in the restoration of Israel. Throughout history, the restoration of Israel has come in waves, seasons that have spanned many generations. And I believe as we near the end of the age, we will see an increase in the frequency and intensity of these restorative signs because we read, until the times of restoration of all things. The word until suggests that God's restorative power will be increased in the world until he has completely fulfilled every prophetic word. Yeshua affirmed this when he said in Matthew 17, Indeed, Elijah is coming first and will restore all things. He confirmed once again that God's restoration for the church and Israel will begin before his return. Also occurring at this time, we read in Isaiah chapter 60, that darkness shall cover the earth and deep darkness the people. But the Lord will arise over you, Israel, and his glory will be seen upon you. So light and darkness will cohabitate side by side in this world until Christ returns and abolishes all evil. Yeshua said in Matthew 13, Let both grow together until the harvest. And at the time of the harvest, I will say to the reapers, First gather together the tares, 
and bind them in bundles to burn them, but gather the wheat into my barn. We have witnessed part of Israel's physical restoration with its birth in 1948 and her continual increase in global, political, and economic influence to this very day. Israel ranks 35th by the International Monetary Fund concerning their GDP, and they're considered to have one of the top 10 most powerful militaries in the world. Germany's Deutsche Bank recently announced that the Israeli shekel is the world's second strongest currency. So how is this possible? Israel is a small country, slightly larger than New Jersey, with just over 8 million people. How can it rank so high in the world's power spectrum? I believe the Lord is giving the nations a sign that he is pouring out on Israel his times of restoration. But what exactly is Israel being restored to, and how does their restoration influence God's restoration of the broader ecclesia within the nations, which is the Gentile church? I've often heard people speak about the first century church as a model for what the future might look like, but is this accurate? The early church was predominantly comprised of Jewish believers and lacked the diversity of every nation. The Lord has already made a promise to Abraham that he would become the father of many nations. Now, the early church was far from perfect, and most of Paul's writings in the first three chapters in the book of Revelation provide critique and corrective instruction to these early believers. Therefore, was the early church without spot or wrinkle? And was she the pure bride of Christ that Christ is returning for? I do not believe so. And also, when in church history have the Gentiles in mass ever provoked Israel to jealousy? Never. Therefore, God's predestined prophecies are yet to be fulfilled at an appointed time, and we are instructed to look for the signs fulfilling these prophecies. Yeshua spoke of many things that will come at the end of the age, including deception, wars, famine, pestilence, and earthquakes. These are the negative signs, but there is one imminent and very positive sign that the church will undoubtedly recognize. It says in Acts chapter 2, It shall come to pass in the last days, says God, that I will pour out my Spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. And on my men servants and on my maidservants, I will pour out my Spirit in those days, and they shall prophesy. There is much more for us to experience before the return of Christ, and I believe the next great event in human history, beyond the continued physical restoration of Israel, will be God's saving grace poured out on all humanity, including the Jewish people. This is what the disciples proclaimed as the great sign fulfilled in Jerusalem on the day of Pentecost. And just like the days of old, it will start with God's church, and I expect also from Jerusalem. In Isaiah chapter 2, we read, Now it shall come to pass in the latter days that the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established on the top of the mountains and shall be exalted above the hills and all nations shall flow to it. Many people shall come and say, Come and let us go up to the mountain of the Lord to the house of the God of Jacob. He will teach us his ways and we shall walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go forth the law and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. The Gentiles are not going to provoke Israel to jealousy by any arousal of their flesh or inner spirit of man. They will provoke Israel to jealousy when the greatest outpouring of the Holy Spirit ever to fall on humanity descends upon the Latter-day's Church. 
And I believe that this end times church will do greater things in number, magnitude, size, and influence before the rapture than even Yeshua himself did. We know that the church, and for the most part, the Gentile church, which is comprised of all nations, is called to restore Israel. And included in this restoration will be Israel's kingly and priestly lineages. As we read in Jeremiah chapter 33, David shall never lack a man to sit on the throne of the house of Israel. Nor shall the priests, the Levites, lack a man to offer burnt offerings before me, to kindle grain offerings, and to sacrifice continually. The kingly aspect pertains to the governmental authority and ruling of God's kingdom. And the priestly aspect pertains to the service of God in the temple. The church now is the temple of the living God. So we as living temples will serve in God's physical temple that will be constructed during the millennial kingdom. Israel is not just being restored to her former glory, as we read in Haggai chapter 2. It says, For the glory of this latter temple shall be greater than the former, says the Lord of hosts. Israel, and for that part, the church itself, is being restored to a condition that has never existed on the earth since the beginning of creation. And it will be even more profound than the Garden of Eden. As it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, I has not seen, nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. Remember that the word restoration means the act or process of returning something to its original condition. Original, therefore, would predate Abraham, as it says in Hebrews chapter 11, for even he waited for the city which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. While the Abrahamic root and Hebraic foundation remains intact through this restoration process, the final expression of what the millennial church will look like is yet to be revealed. One thing I know for certain is this expression will now also include every tribe, tongue, people, and nation, and we will be united as one people of God. As we read in Zephaniah chapter 3, it says, Then I will restore to the peoples a pure language, that they may all call on the name of the Lord to serve Him with one accord. While God's plan of restoration has begun with Israel, His ultimate plan is for the restoration of His entire creation. And the Lord promised in Isaiah chapter 49, I will preserve you and give you as a covenant to the people to restore the earth, to cause them to inherit the desolate heritages. In other words, this is a much bigger and greater work of restoration than just Israel. It is ultimately about the entire assembly of God's people coming together as one great assembly and one new man in Christ. As we read in Ephesians chapter 1, it says, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace, which he made to abound toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure which he purposed in himself, that in the dispensation of the fullness of the times he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth in him. Furthermore, it will be Israel that will be at the very heart and center of God's restorative plans. The church, the new covenant priesthood of believers, will be working together with Christ to restore God's earthly kingdom, the very heart and center of which is Jerusalem and the Jewish people. As we read in Zechariah chapter 8, 
Thus says the Lord of hosts, in those days, ten men from every language of the nations shall grasp the sleeve of a Jewish man, saying, let us go with you, for we have heard that God is with you. Yes, the days are coming and the times of restoration are even upon us when the Lord will fulfill his predestined promises to Israel and therefore to all the peoples of the earth who are grafted into Israel. The prophet Jeremiah declared in chapter 16, he said, Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, that it shall no more be said the Lord lives who brought up the children of Israel from the land of Egypt, but the Lord lives who brought up the children of Israel from the land of the north and from all the lands where he had driven them. For I will bring them back into their land which I gave to their fathers. And even now we see God's restorative plans at work with Israel rising in prominence in the world. And the church is soon to be transformed into the bride that is without spot or wrinkle, empowered with all signs, wonders, and his living word to reap the greatest harvest of souls the world has ever seen. So let us rejoice in knowing that we are part of God's predestined good works to bring about his plans and times of restoration for Israel and all the nations. Amen. If you have enjoyed this teaching from House of David Ministries, make sure you subscribe to our channel and don't forget to visit our website where you can sign up for our monthly newsletter. We pray the Lord richly bless you and we look forward to having you join us again for our next episode.